Welcome to Donnacloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. Well, good morning, dear friends and family. What an honour it is to be joining you on Father's Day from Wiltshire, here in the south of England. Only a stone's throw from Stonehenge, the ancient monument. It's just over the hill. You can see it if you go out uh, into onto the road there. And um, everything around here is, is Stonehenge. All the businesses are Stonehenge something. There's the Stonehenge Inn. There's a Stonehenge Auto Repairs. There's a Stonehenge Vets. The other day I saw a van with uh, Stonehenge Roofers written on the side of it. And I thought, it's about time to put a roof on it. It's a lovely part of the world. Uh, for those of you who don't know or who have forgotten, I am the Reverend Andrew Thompson and I am working as regimental chaplain to 1st Regiment Royal Horse Artillery here in Lark Hill. Uh, we have seven regiments on camp at Lark Hill uh, and there are many, many more camps uh, in a network across Salisbury Plain. So this really is very much army central. Most of the people that we meet day and daily are connected in some way uh, with the army. Uh, Grace and Harrison and Elijah go to uh, St Michael's Church of England Primary School and 90% of the children there are uh, children from army families. Uh, Sharon even is uh, singing in a, um, a military wives choir and she's applied to join the army as a as a flautist, is that a word, uh, in a, the, a reservist band. So we're really very much uh, in the army. And here we are today in the magnificent church building of St. Baldwin and St. Barbara. And this is really Gunner Central. This is Gunner Cathedral, if you like. We've got uh, the walls of the in the memory of all ranks of the Royal Regiment of Artillery who died on active service as a, or as a result of terrorist action 1968 to 1999. You'll never guess what country uh, uh, lights up that board most. I think there are around um, about 60 names, all for uh, people who have fallen in Northern Ireland. Um, in the Troubles, all from the, the Royal Regiment of Artillery. Uh, on this side, we've got after the Second World War, uh, Southeast Asia, Palestine, Malaya, Korea, uh, Palestine. You know, hundreds of, of people, uh, gunners died in uh, Palestine, 1945 to 48, after the war. We forget these things, and it's only whenever you come into somewhere like this, sometimes that the, you're reminded of just the, the cost uh, that people have paid to keep our country safe. So, it's this uh, building in, uh, that we meet in every Sunday. Um, I'm privileged to call this church building home and the people that meet here, or at least did before COVID-19 struck, uh, we, we meet together as, as, as family. And hopefully it is our prayer, and I think it's not gonna be the too distant future that this building will resound again uh, to the sound of the organ and, and people singing God's praise and the pews will be filled with the hushed whispers of God's family at prayer. So today, we're in here on our own. You're watching it at home just as I am. Um, and today, of course, is Father's Day, 
which is a bit of a cod, isn't it, to be honest? Uh, isn't every day Father's Day? Uh, but we have Father's Day now, whatever it is, for better or for worse. It is a thing. And we are acutely aware, aware that Brian, uh, Brian Martin, our own friend, the rector, Brian, uh, had lost his father only a few weeks ago. So this will be a testing day for him and for his family. And so, of course, our prayers are with Brian. For many of us, Father's Day um, is, is a day to reflect, not just to celebrate, to think about what it means for us to be fathers ourselves or to reflect on what it means to be a father or to have had a father. And, and it's a time where we can pause and, and reflect on that. And I suppose the best thing to reflect on when we're thinking about fathers is, uh, is to be reflecting on our own heavenly father uh, and on his word which is what we're going to turn to now, of course. So last week, uh, we heard Jesus comforting his disciples with the truth that although he was leaving them, he wasn't abandoning them. Indeed, he was going on for them in order to prepare a place for them. And he was also going to prepare a way for them uh, to, to come and join him with the Father. The message do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Book ends, uh, chapter, uh, 14, 27 verses of, of um, chapter 14. And this is a, a message, uh, I think some of the Bibles put in, uh, Jesus comforts his disciples. And that's exactly what he's doing. Um, and this morning we're going to take a closer look at what Jesus says to comfort his disciples in verses 7 to 14, 7 to 14 of chapter 14 of John's Gospel. So it'd be great if you had that open in front of you. Check that I'm not just making this up because I'm gonna say some challenging things, I think, uh, later on. So check and make sure that, that, it's, that it's from the Bible. In this little section, we hear Jesus reassuring his anxious disciples who are reeling with the, the announcement uh, that he is leaving them and he, that one of them is going to betray him. They're, they're full of angst and, and, and concern. Um, and Jesus, reassures them with the truth that they are more deeply acquainted with God the Father than they thought. And also that Jesus' departure will not mean lack of contact with God the Father. In fact, it will bring them more intimacy with God and his work. So point one, the disciples have been intimate witnesses to the Father's work. The disciples have been intimate uh, witnesses to the Father's work. Jesus says in verse 7 that knowing him is, is knowing the Father and that the disciples have seen the Father. And this prompts Philip to say in verse 8, show us, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Let me see God says Philip, and, and then we'll be okay. We'll, we'll not be concerned. We'll, we'll not have any worries then. Um, and that's, Philip is, is voicing there a, a concern, a, a prayer, a request that is common in scripture. Um, it is a, the deep desire of God's faithful people to, to see the Father, to, to be with him, to witness him. 
Uh, you, we all know Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? It was also the request of Moses um, when he is receiving the, the, the tablets, the Ten Commandments, and uh, God is promising to, to lead them uh, through the wilderness and to the, the promised land. And Moses requests, well, let me see God. Uh, Exodus uh, chapter 33 and verse 38. Now show me, show me your glory. And that will be enough for me. Now show me your glory. Show us God and that is enough for us. In testing times, in times of change, in scripture, people have asked to see God. So Philip's request is, is quite understandable. But Jesus' rebuke of Philip is revealing for Philip and it is also revealing for us. Verse 9, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus' response shows us that Philip should be aware that Jesus and God the Father are connected in such a way that to see Jesus at work is to see the Father. Jesus' teaching, backed up by his miracles, should clearly and unambiguously point to the Father as both the source and the focus of his ministry. Don't you believe, verse 10, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Isn't it obvious, Philip, the connection between the Father and the Son? It is unique, Philip, and it exists at the deepest level. The Father and the Son are connected in their being, who they are, and they're connected in their working, what they do. They do the same work at the same time. And here's the most exciting thing that I find in the passage this week. And I want you to take a walk with me. Come on. We're going to take a stroll through verse 10 and see what we find out about the work of the Father. Please, if you've got it in front of you, if you've got it nearby and you haven't opened it yet or you haven't switched it on, have a look at John chapter 14, verse 10. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Here we go. Ready? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. The words I say to you, is the Father doing his work. The words I say is the Father doing his work. The words is the work. Folks, I want you to know that if you want to see God, if you want to see him, then listen. If you want to see God, then listen. There's a long biblical connection between the work of God and the word of God, right? 
We only need to turn to the first page of Genesis to see how God's powerful power is manifest through his word. God speaks creation into being. But for a really helpful Old Testament illustration of this point, I want to return to Moses and that request in Exodus 33. Exodus 33, 38, if you want to flip back, might be helpful. I'm only going to ask you to do that once. Exodus 33, verse 38, Moses said, now show me your glory. Moses asked God, show yourself. And you remember how God responds to Moses' request to show himself? Exodus 34, verse 5, flip forward. God responds not in vision, but in sound. God shows himself not in pictures, but in words. Exodus chapter 34, verse 5. Here we go. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Abounding in love and faithfulness. Abounding in full of love and faithfulness. The Hebrew words are chesed, uh, which translates as grace, and faithfulness, Hebrew emet, also translates as truth. He's abounding in love and faithfulness. He is full of grace and truth. Moses says, show me your glory. And God reveals himself in words, the words of his name, abounding in chesed and emet, full of grace and truth, which should make your ears prick up, right? And send us to the beginning of this gospel, to John's gospel. And the word became flesh, verse 14 of chapter one, and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Do you ever say something maybe to your children in the heat of the moment or say something whenever you're sort of emotionally engaged in something um, and surprise yourself because you sound just like your dad or just like your mother and say my goodness that's that's just what my mom or my dad would have said now i don't look particularly like my father but i don't have sound like him like father like son they say well Jesus, full of grace and truth, is the living, breathing, walking, talking name of the Father. If you've seen God, if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. And Philip says, show us the Father. Jesus answers Philip, not only have you seen him, you've heard him. You've heard him and you've seen his power at work. You are all witnesses, Jesus says to the disciples, to the power of God, the works of God. In the words of his son. Jesus' message then to us is, do not let your hearts be troubled. God is with us and we have seen him. How? Through his planet forming, culture uprooting, life transforming, death defying word. So point one, the disciples have been intimate witnesses to the work of the father. Point two, the disciples will be actively employed in the work of the Father. 
Verse 11, Jesus says that the power of his words is evident in the results. Philip knows that he has seen, he has heard that when Jesus speaks, even the wind and waves obey him. When Jesus says, follow me, people follow. When Jesus pronounces your sins are forgiven, they are forgiven. When Jesus teaches, good news is proclaimed for all humanity. When he speaks, God is at work. And then Jesus says, verse 12, very truly, 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 amen, amen, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, I have heard even recently that this verse is proof that we should expect signs and wonders to accompany and even be central to the ministry of the church. Because the argument goes that the works that Jesus has been doing must be his miracles and his faithful followers, whoever believes in him, will therefore do greater miracles than these. Greater miracles than Jesus. Are you sure? I think. Greater than calming the storm? Greater than walking on water? Greater than turning water into wine? Greater than raising Lazarus from the dead? Yeah, because one reason I think that that's obviously false is that all of those miracles point to Jesus uniquely being the Son of God, being in every way God. And if faithful followers of Jesus were to do greater miracles than Jesus, that would make Jesus less than unique. In fact, it would make him less than his followers, which we know is not true. But the second and more obvious reason that I think that that is false has already been shown in point one. The works of God are the words of Jesus. Power of God is manifest in his word. And if we read verse 12 again with that in mind, it makes so much more sense. Very truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will preach with power and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Let me ask you, how many converts did Jesus' powerful preaching win in his lifetime? Not very many. Not very many. And then 10 days after Jesus left to be with his father, on the day of Pentecost, how many converts were won by the power of God through the preaching of the word? 3,000? Mm. And through the book of Acts, from Jerusalem to Judea, through Samaria to the ends of the earth? How many? Up until today, how many? Not including those who have gone on before us. There are now 2.2 billion Christians. That's 2.2 billion people alive today who have been touched by the power of God through his word proclaimed. Jesus was limited in time and space. He was one man. But the church is so many people, all empowered with the same word, with the power of God to change lives. Whatever we have lost in recent months, we're not left listless. We're not left flagging as a church. We have not lost our main employment. We are 
just as the first disciples were called and empowered to be actively engaged in the work of the Father. And that work is as simple as it is powerful. Talking about Jesus. Talking about the gospel. One thing that God in his grace has not stopped us doing during the pandemic is talking. We can talk over the phone. We can talk over the internet. We can talk over Zoom. We can talk over the garden fence. We can talk. Some of us have been blessed with much talking. Victoria Darby. Some of us are not great with words. But we can all partake in the glorification of the Father through the Son. When we talk, talk about the hope we have in the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, our Saviour and our Lord. Why do you think that we recite the creeds every week? So that when your friends, your family and your colleagues say to you, Paul, Lillian, David, Patricia, Stephen, you're a Christian. What is it that you actually believe? You can straighten your back and say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in his Son, Jesus, our Lord. I believe in his death. I believe in his resurrection. I believe in the, 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 the forgiveness of sins, the power of the Holy Spirit. And you never need to be stuck for something to say. You never need to be short of subject matter for a chat. Reciting the creeds in church is practicing for going out into the world and unleashing the power of God. And we can go out with confidence because Jesus promises, verse 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. In my name and I will do it. Ask for anything in Jesus' name and he will give it. In other words, ask the Father what Jesus would ask for and the Father will honour that prayer every single time because the Father would never deny the Son. Friends, if you've never witnessed a miracle and you would like to see a powerful miracle right now this morning, pray that the Son, pray how the Son would pray. Pray what the Son would pray for. He would pray that you would confess your sin and ask to be forgiven and to be given a new life in following him. And if you do that, he will honour that prayer. And he will give you life in all its fullness. And he will not ask for payment. He will not ask you to prove yourself, only that you follow him. And then pray, once you've done that, and this goes for all of us, that the Father would empower us to speak his truth and glorify him in his Son. And when you've prayed that, brothers and sisters, stand by to be caught up in the powerful work of God as the gospel is proclaimed. So be encouraged. You have the power of God at your fingertips. Even during lockdown, every one of us has a Bible to hand, either in traditional book form or increasingly on our phones. His word is powerful and you are witnesses to that power. Think of all the Christians you know or have ever known. Every one of them, past and present, is a living miracle. 
and be encouraged. Jesus says to Philip, you ask to see the Father, but your past is so much more glorious than you think. You have witnessed the Father at work with power firsthand. And your future is so much better than you could have dreamt. You will be doing his work just as I have. You will be intimately and actively engaged in his glory as long as you share the truth about Jesus. Be encouraged, says Jesus. My early departure is not the end, it is only the beginning. And you will do great things. Brothers and sisters in Donnacloney Parish, you will do great things. Every time you speak his truth, you will see the power of God at work through you to build his church on earth and in heaven, establishing his glory forever. Thank you for being with us today. We pray that this service has been an encouragement to you, a challenge and a help to build you up in your faith in Christ. We've now ended our church service and we'd be delighted if you can join with us again. Thank you for being with us in Donna Cloney Parish. God bless you.